be lumpy and still be smooth. If you're lumpy, you are the least smooth person on Earth. <laughs> that's that's going in. That's yes, going so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cookie Pocket. This podcast is about film. Oh. I'm going to the Instagram to see. We're on episode 59. <laughs> nice. Huzzah. How is everyone doing? How is the, the Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah? So it's pretty good. Pretty darn good. I uh, I've got Peter Cushing over here on the shelf. Thank you, Mitchell. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm wondering how my family is going to take my comments on lumpiness out of context. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. What are you What are you doing, Christian? Well, I am. Uh, I'm sitting in my basement. Um, no way. I just came back from a movie. I'll probably talk about it in a uh, week of review. Week in review. No way. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to talk about some uh, some holidays. Yeah, pretty hype. Me as well. So, this episode is Danny Elfman. And that's it. Very succinct. <laughs> the Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> is a stop motion animated dark fantasy film thing, directed by Henry Selick, based on a poem from the disturbing mind of and produced by. Tim Burton. Grammar. Probably not right. Under Disney's sussy, dark, and scary movie production company, <laughs> Touchstone Pictures. It follows Pumpkin It follows Pumpkin King Jack Skellington of Halloween Town, who discovers Christmas Town by finding convenient doors to other holiday worlds in the Burton Cinematic Universe, and immediately tries to integrate Christmas into the lives of his town and everyone he knows, like Christian with Star Wars. Chris Sarandon voices Jack for speaking, and Danny Elfman uh, for singing. Um, Catherine O'Hara voices Sally, a Frankenstein-esque love interest. Uh, William Hickey voices Dr. Finkelstein, her creator. Or Stein, depending on what side of Germany you come from, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Glenn Shaddix as the mayor of Halloween Town. Ken Page as the antagonist Boogeyman. Ed Ivory as Santa, and Frank Welker as the highly memorable voice of Zero, Jack's pet ghost dog. What did you guys think of the film? Well, I really like, uh, there, we go, there I go with the wells again. I really like <laughs> The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, no way. And it's, I never like expect to like it. It's not like a holiday favorite of mine. I don't watch it often around the holidays, but whenever I watch it, it, it goes right by for me. I think it's really, really well paced to the point that when I was, before I watched it this time, I was thinking like, that's only like, 45 minutes it might even be 25 but no this movie's like 80 minutes it just it flies right by it's really well paced um i think the songs for the most part are pretty good even if some of them aren't exactly that memorable sally's song is probably the one most people skip over when it comes on on the soundtrack <laughs> um but i really like the production design this is when tim burton was kind of just getting into stop motion and so that sort of style hadn't been wildly overexposed and overdone yet um Especially, I mean, I, I, I think the designs of things like Oogie Boogie's, like, hideout are, are great and really visually pleasing. And I think the voice cast is really charismatic as well. Uh, the only one that I think um, you could probably do without is I don't really know why you need Chris Sarandon as a speaking cast for Jack instead of Danny Elfman. Because uh, Danny Elfman's a charismatic guy. I mean, I, I, I would guess the only reason would be 
so you have like a, a big billing actor to put on the poster, but then Chris Sarandon doesn't <laughs> even show up on the poster. So it's it's kind of an odd bit of casting. But yeah, I think it's a, a good movie for around the holidays. Maybe more of a Halloween movie than a than a Christmas themed movie, but I think it still works. And uh, it's a it's a good bit of fun, even if it's not one that I watch all the time around the holidays. Four out of five. <laughs> Solid. Very nice. Very fair. Um, I I like this fine enough. Um, I gave it a three out of five. Here I go with my ums. We all have our verbal tics, Zach. It's okay. <sighs> I think maybe where this doesn't fully work for me uh, is, is some of the songs are are some of the songs I should say. A lot of it is sort of speak singing which doesn't bother me a ton in in broadway as long as there's enough singing singing to go with it but and uh, uh, I, I sound very pedantic but but it really, bothers I, you when I, it's bob dylan <laughs> <laughs> well even when bob dylan's got this like oh draw thingy there's still like, <laughs> there's still like a melody you can still hear notes in it a lot yeah. of the time it's literally like these characters are like at slam poetry night or something <laughs> or hamilton yeah, or Hamilton, which is, which is <laughs> fine. But there's uh, like the only melodies that I can remember are "This Is Halloween" and parts of "What's This," but a lot of "What's This" is spoken too. Um, and that, to me, that's kind of a weakness when it's when it's speak sung as much as it is in this. But um, I, I, it's certainly different from pretty much anything else I've seen, and it's enough of a visual treat to make it worth pretty much anyone's time. It's a pretty brisk seventy-six minutes. So, you know, uh, I think the ideal viewing time, I know there's a Halloween versus Christmas debate. Best day to watch this is November 1st because you're still like in the afterglow of spooky season a little bit. But you're like the first day it's kind of acceptable to get hyped for Christmas. So November 1st movie. Yes. Three out of five. I'm already ready to give thanks when it's November. So Mm. getting in the Thanksgiving mood. I like, hey, bro. skip that. Thank you. No, you can't. No. <laughs> Underrated Peanuts production. True. Anyway. Very true. Snoopy makes a lot of popcorn and toast instead of turkey. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I gave this a four out of five. Um, I I am very uncomfy with Tim Burton once in a while. Um, th- I don't know why, but this film just feels really, like, out there for me. Um, on a personal level, anyway. And I'm not really sure why. I guess it's just, like, there's so much weird stuff happening every second that I feel like if I was, like, in middle school or any younger, I feel like I would like it a lot more. Um, maybe it's just, like, I'm just a boomer. That's just, like, there's too much t- things happening. I need things to slow down for me, please. <laughs> and it's kind of what happened with, um, what's it called, uh, at the beginning of our second season. Um, what am I thinking of? I'm in Lesbians With You. I'm stupid. Oh, it's Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah, Scott Pilgrim. Even the title is dumb. Just call it Scott Pilgrim. Jeez. Oh, anyway. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. You're right. We've cut your number. <laughs> yeah. Get a left hook there. But then you uh, liked it anyway. You though like, you didn't want to like it. So there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Settle down, son. <laughs> Calm Settle. down, son. Settle. Just a drawing. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I really love the animation in this, though. Um, and it's not like I don't like the fact that it's stop motion at all. I, I adore that. And it, it's very clear they put a lot of effort into making this original world and all these original characters. Um, not necessarily to care about all of them, but just enough where you feel like the plot is worth investing in. Um, Jack Skellington has obviously the most character dynamic out of all of them. 
Um, but and and probably Oogie Boogie too would be up there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, I, I otherwise I really like the story. It's really simple and it's not anything that you know it's it's unbelievable because the whole thing is unbelievable to begin with um especially coming off of our other tim burton film um i really feel like um for edward scissorhands i feel like this has a lot of the same themes that tim burton is known for and um i read the story about tim burton finding out about like the what he wanted to do for uh, expanding on the poem and trying to get like a 30 minute special or something and disney was like we're gonna give you a whole movie or something and he's like i don't know about that chief but um but yeah i i I really like the story and um it, it fits right into tim burton's uh brain and i think um henry selleck did a really good job of doing that um we'll talk about that though so yeah, I gave it a four out of five. Not a whole lot of complaints. The only real thing I think um, is just I feel like just that constant darkness and the the constant Danny Elfman aggression. I feel like is just it really bothers me. And and it's just like like the, the pace. I agree. I like the pacing a lot, but kind of keeping with that tone for the entire movie and kind of just constantly like you don't even though he's in different places. Jack is in different places. It just feels like it's like oh in your face the entire time. And I can see why that's definitely a good thing, but it has some drawbacks to it. So I still gave it a four out of five, though. Um, so Danny Elfman wrote the songs and the score, and he also, obviously, I said he voiced Jack during the singing parts. How do you think his contribution affected the production, and do you feel like it's what makes the film most memorable? And also, what was your favorite song? Ooh. Um, well, I think Danny Elfman has a huge impact on this. Uh, yeah. Danny Elfman, at least in his collaborations with Tim Burton, I think has a really distinct sound. And I think he has a distinct sound in, in other movies as well. His his theme for uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, I think, is great. Ooh, um, yeah. And mm-hmm. and a lot of other movies he did in the early 2000s when he kind of became a big name. The um, Batman but he, theme, dude. The Batman theme yeah. is great. But that's a Tim Burton Dang. collaboration as well, right. so... Um, mm. I, I think he's gone on to make some more forgettable scores, but like, I mean, a lot of great composers have done that, but I think his songs in this are great for the most part. I mean, every musical has like one or two songs where it's like, this is the love interest song. It's going to be kind of slow and boring, but we have to do this. I'm sorry. We'll do the one with Oogie Boogie later. Um, which takes me <laughs> on to my, I love Oogie Boogie's songs. Um, of course you yeah. do. I, love I like o- it. I love yeah. Oogie Boogie as a character. I think he's just so fun to be around and so charismatic, and the movie just yeah. lights up whenever he's around. But I like how different his song sounds to everything else. Um, it really reminds me of the stuff that Danny Elfman did when he was part of the band Oingo Boingo. Um, My dad just showed me that. Yep. Yeah, um, which everything in Oogie Boogie's lair feels like the like something from Oingo Boingo. Like a lot of it's yeah. designed kind of like their album uh dead man's party kind of like the album cover and it's just it's he's such a fun character to be around and he's the voice actor sounds like he's having so much fun i mean i think the voice acting in this movie is really good like i said previously but um a lot of the voices are sort of like regular theater voices they're explaining what they have to say but you know they don't have a ton of inflection but like (laughs) okie boogie is like everywhere he's gonna express left and right and it's just oh (laughs) it's so fun um i just i i love that whole song i love everything that he's involved in so yeah i think i think his lair looks like monster mini golf (laughs) it does (laughs) i don't know what that means 
<laughs> You're uncultured, Zach. I think Sorry. Oogie Boogie is two shades removed from cursed Steve Harvey Zach, and I'm just not okay with that. It's <laughs> a survey of sayings. No, 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 we didn't ask for that. <laughs> no, Zach is getting canceled before I am. Go ahead, Christian. Well, on that note, I am indifferent to Oogie Boogie again because most of his song is just him talking. Because he's Oogie Boogie and he's the man or something, something. Because <laughs> I'm the boogie man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. I guess my favorite song would be What's This? Because there's some like kinetic energy in there. It's uh, mm-hmm. A lot of the best songs in musicals are kind of like characters having a quiet moment. And uh, this is a convenient excuse to have like a, a song here. But um, I like how What's This is like actively jack is discovering the christmas and the this and the that so there's stuff happening relevant to the plot in a song which which can be nice i'm not usually fixated on that but i think it's nice in this case and it's just the most memorable tune and uh, i like how the time signature changes like you 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 expect the phrase to to go longer than it does sometimes but he keeps interrupting himself because of how excited he is which is just a really clever musical device so i guess that would be my favorite song Mm-hmm. Music theory, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> this is Halloween. Gosh, man. I think they use it throughout the movie. I know they use it again mm-hmm. at the end, uh, a little bit in the score. But I, I don't know, man. Like, I really love that song, and I just, I like the cinematography they use during it, and it just feels you really feel enveloped in the world to begin with. Like, you already feel mm-hmm. like you know the town by the end of the by the end of the score by the end of the song. And I just, I really, really like that song. It's probably, like, one of the best songs that nobody knows the lyrics to at all because everyone is, like, like Christian said, the, the talk singing thing is kind of, and could be an issue. But um, I think it adds to the characters a lot, and I feel like it really makes them alive, all of the puppets and everything. Yeah. Um, that opening so, shot of the skeleton is genuinely quite creepy, of the, of yeah. the scarecrow that kind of spins around and points you to the town. Yeah, I yeah I I totally love that. That's easily my favorite song. I also like Oogie Boogie. Um, his song definitely <laughs> right. stands out, um, and his his charisma is is completely separated. He definitely feels like a villain. He feels like he's offset from the rest of everyone in Halloween Town. Um, so yeah, I also agree. I think Danny Elfman has a huge impact on this. Um, I think his, his I think obviously Jack singing is the best. Um, and I think that the score definitely works with what they're trying to go for, um, especially with the Tim Burton kind of themes. Uh, so Henry Selleck is credited as directing and being on set the most, obviously, to make the film look more like a Tim Burton film. But Tim Burton is credited with creating the original story with the juxtaposition, um, but he didn't want to go through the painstaking animation process. So he was actually, at least according to Selleck, he was only there for like eight to ten days at the most out of all three years of production of the movie, um, which is pretty oh. insane. Um, I, I was very surprised by that. So especially because he uses uh, Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas as a marketing tactic to yeah. appear, a, appeal to the massive following that Tim Burton had accumulated from all of his live action films. Um, so what is your opinion on the direction and also of the story? I really like the direction. Um, I, I know it's a constant back and forth debate as to like Tim Burton or Henry Selleck, who's most responsible for this movie. Um, I think that it's hard to say that Tim Burton didn't have an impact on this movie, despite yeah. the fact that he is just a producer. Cause you look at other movies that he produced, like 
Batman Forever. And mm-hmm. clearly, that is a Joel Schumacher movie. That is not a Tim Burton movie. Um, yeah. so, but, like, here, it has that Tim Burton look. It feels like a Tim Burton movie. The characters mm-hmm. are designed to kind of look like his illustrations because he was an illustrator before he was a director. So mm-hmm. he's had an impact on this production. But to me, the one who kind of carries it through and makes it feel like a real living world and brings life to those characters is Henry Selleck. And I think the choices that he makes in regards to blocking and camera movement in this play a big part in selling the world and the characters. Um, Specifically just in regard to like how they move the camera around and how they angle the camera. Um, Before this movie, a lot of the time, if you were going to do stop motion, you were going to have just a locked off like level shot of a room and then a person was going to walk in and move around and it was kind of like more like a magic trick than a way of selling an entire movie. But here they move the camera like they would in a real live action movie. There's swooping kind of crane movements and there's canted angles and it really makes it feel like these are real living things moving around in an environment, just moving around in in a Tim Burton style movie. And I think without Henry Selleck behind the camera to say, here's how we do that, you wouldn't have that kind of a movie. I mean, maybe you would have had that if Tim Burton had been there, but it sounds like he didn't want to be there the whole time. So you probably wouldn't have because he probably would have said, just set up the camera and we'll do whatever. Uh, which might not have worked in the same way. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I I tend not to notice direction as much when it's not like a live action shot at a on a location or shot on a CGI location, um, as, <laughs> as some of my favorite movies are. But, uh, <laughs> Blue. Yeah. Green. <laughs> are you making fun of me? <laughs> sure. That's a great that works. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I really, I really feel like I have a lot less to add here than Zach does. Honestly, I, I think, in in questions like Selleck versus Burton, the the least satisfying but most accurate is answer as well. Both really, but, you know, I I think it's fine, and I think that the treat here is is the visual stuff. That that to me is is why I show up because I don't think there's like a ton of heavy characterization or, or plot. It's mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I'm not a fan of this phrase typically, but it's it is sort of a just vibes movie, and uh, I think it works because it looks yeah. so so nice and is is well directed and designed. So you know, yeah, I definitely think the design and the style <laughs> is the coolest thing. Oh. And I don't think I think the story totally works for trying to convey the the worlds. I guess you could say it's kind of world building in a lot of ways. I mean, even though it doesn't feel like there's a lot of characterization, I feel like just just the environments that they're in, um, the the things that are randomly happening on the side uh, to to supplement the 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 simple story. I feel like that's why it works. It's an easily supplementable story because it, it's it's simple enough where it's not. It doesn't feel like it's detracting from from the value of the movie as a whole, but it also feels like. It, it, everything's driving forward all the time. It feels like all the characters are on the same kind of train chugging around. I'm using the train again. Um, and I, I just, I really enjoy that. And I totally agree with Christian. I agree with you as well, Zach. I think that this is like an entirely just vibes movie. I feel like this is just, I feel like it's just something that you can really enjoy watching and really, you know, get the experience from. And even for the average audience member, I would say that stop motion, I mean, even if you just basically explain it to the average layman, I think they'll 
they'll really be able to appreciate how much time and effort they clearly put into mm -hmm. making these worlds and making the atmosphere and the way that it looks. Um, and I, I think that's cool. Uh, but yeah, but beyond all of that surface level stuff, but it, based on what the film was going for, I totally think it went, it, it did exactly what it was supposed to. Um, and I definitely don't think it's trying to be anything super, super important or one of T Tim Burton's hallmark movies when it comes to stories. So, um, but yeah, I really like the direction. I think it totally works. And I think just conveying, um, what, what Burton would have wanted, um, out of, his story i feel like it's just uh, there's really not much else you could you could have done better um based on the original poem i think the original poem had like three characters in it so oh. they made like every other character um in 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 the movie uh or for the movie rather uh so roughly 109,000 frames were created and 20 sound stages and 227 puppets were used for filming Atmosphere, lighting, and color contrast were priorities during production, benefiting greatly from the expressionistic and arguably revolutionary take on stop motion. Uh, Disney looked forward to Burton's story coming to fruition because they saw how well uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit um, <laughs> became successful. Uh, so how essential is the animation to the experience? Totally. Totally and completely essential. Um, it yeah. is the experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. That, that was... Th thank you for that softball. Um... <laughs> Oh, by the way, we totally, um, our, our guest, uh, when we did the Roger Rabbit episode, totally spoke uh, physical 4K release of Roger Rabbit into existence. He that texted happened, me about like, that afterward. That's crazy. Yeah. I was yeah. at Best Buy the other day, and I saw it, and I was like, huh, what about that? Like, um, the next week, he was like, Zach, you won't believe it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have special powers here, listener. I, I don't do. want to give It's weird. We talk much, about but... it at least, like, every week or two weeks, and then sometimes, like, days in a row, we'll have the exact same stuff. We'll watch a movie, actor dies the next day. Yeah. Sometimes like... we accidentally kill the drummer of the Rolling Stones, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. Yeah, we just got to... We, we got something special here. We do. Boys and girls. I don't know. Anyway. I like the animation, guys. <laughs> I like how the little, about the lot, little yeah. fingers move, and uh, no, I just the attention to detail is is really sublime. And as I don't know, I want to say like as an artist, but as, as someone who like, <laughs> enjoys playing around with music and and film just for fun, I guess. Um, I'm when I'm making stuff, I'm always like, how can I do this? the fastest way not because i want to do like a slapdash thing but because it just gives me more time to do more stuff in general so stop motion as a medium i have an immense deep respect for because it takes hours and hours and hours for seconds and seconds and seconds <laughs> of these of these frames and and visuals so you know it's it's so meticulous and it really can't be overstated how much effort and and thought goes into it yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. I think the animation is kind of the whole appeal. Um, specifically, I think those character designs. I think, um, you know, a lot of these uh, Tim Burton uh, stop-motion animated movies have found appeal with younger people, whether it be Corpse Bride, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline. And I think that's kind of because of the sort of oddball designs of the characters uh, yeah. and the kind of visual quirks that they have, where they're sort of strange-looking, but they're also very appealing um, because of those flaws. Uh, and I, th I think a lot of people kind of see parts of themselves in those themselves in those characters and kind of their their insecurities and the way they move and the way they interact with other people. There's sort of like a a shyness mixed with flamboyance to a lot of like character movements and the way they interact in their settings. And I think that's something that really appeals to teenagers. 
Uh, so yeah, I, I think kind of the animation is the whole experience and the whole appeal of it. Especially in the 90s. Yeah. Those yeah. kids are weird. Yeah, grunge weird. is big, you know. Yeah. Gungans mm-hmm. eventually get really big. Nope. No, they don't. No, anyway. <laughs> so German, German expressionism. I like German expressionism. <laughs> yeah. Say that. Feels very gothic and, you know. I just it it's really the weird quintessential weird and even looking back on it there's not a whole lot of films that really do that anymore. They really have that kind of style that I can think of anyway. I know Zach watches something every day so freaking film kid yeah. annoying. <laughs> I mean yeah, Tim Burton has kind of stuck with that expressionist mm-hmm. style but it's sort of like collapsed in on itself and He's he's sort of gotten into trouble for saying that black people don't really fit into that aesthetic. So it's it's like, uh, <laughs> like uh, yikes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Nosferatu could have could have been Moving on. G- yeah. given some some diversity. I'm bringing the broom. I don't... <laughs> yeah. So um, I think the coloring and the 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 contrast between the real world and the Christmas world, which is obviously inspired from the Grinch. And, and Halloween Town, and I just think all of that, the fog that they introduce when they do the Rudolph reference, and all of that works great. They even do the little fuzzy thing I, I was talking about when we did Casablanca with the freaking, uh, when she was taught, when Sally and Jack were talking, they like do it on her face. I was like, oh my god, that, 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 that looks really cool. Oh, yeah. Big nostalgia right there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, you know, it adds on to the appeal of the whole world, and it makes it really, really immersive, even though it's completely unfamiliar, and they make it, it it's tangibly, like, the wor- like most unrelatable world ever. So it's just, I think it totally works, and um, I think anybody, even if you're creeped out, is going to be invested, and I think that's one of Tim Burton's hallmark things. So um, yeah, and I, I think so, yeah. th- there are a couple shots and a couple elements that actually are not stop motion; they're live action, and then they were kind of spliced into a shot or cut between yeah, yeah, two yeah, shots. Yeah, yeah. Like um, there's one shot of Oogie Boogie's bugs falling yeah, into the pit. And, like, that's live action. But I think it still yeah. fits with the aesthetic, and you're so involved in the animation that I think it doesn't distract. Uh, the fog is, like, a live action element that's been added to the world, but it fits because they've concentrated so much on the feel of this animated world. Yeah, definitely. Yep. All right. My last question. Is it a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? Oh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> it's, it's both. I mean, Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you place more weight on where you start or where you end, I guess? I don't know. I mean, it's Halloween Town. All of our principal characters are are steeped in Halloween, except for Santa Claus himself. So, I mean... Ah. Ah, I'm on winter break. I don't, I don't have to answer English <laughs> questions right now. <laughs> this is extra credit points. Come on. Okay, well, fine. Christian... fine, fine, fine. If it's for extra credit... <laughs> the title has Christmas in it. So I will, my final selection is Christmas. That's probably going to get like a three out of five <laughs> points from a stack house. Um, <laughs> I, oh, geez. I'm going to kind of pull a cop out here and say that I think it kind of depends on what kind of a viewer you are. Um, if you're somebody who's not really a fan of being creeped out and not really a fan of horror movies, I think 
this is probably more of a Halloween movie for you because it is, like Christian pointed out, Halloween is so central to the plot and to the world of the characters. But if you're somebody where Halloween Town kind of just looks like a walk in the park, <laughs> and then I think that this perfectly applies to being a Christmas movie because it's nice to see a, uh, a film where uh, Christmas is almost addressed from a perspective that's like similar to your own. And obviously that's a little hyperbolic. Uh, the, the perspective in the film that is is a little hyperbolic. But I think if you're somebody who's not really phased by things that are traditionally creepy in this movie or doesn't necessarily find its style all that off-putting or weird then I think it works just fine for a Christmas movie. There's some people like my mother, for instance, who think that Tim Burton is just weird. He's a weirdo. Um, and, and, and therefore, this doesn't make a good uh, Christmas movie because it's just too weird. But if you're somebody who likes that kind of a thing, then I think it's perfectly fine as a Christmas movie, maybe even more than a Halloween movie. That's quite hmm. funny. Keep I'm going to aim for this. Out of Christmas. Tim Burton's uh, I just affecting... DJ Christian's remixes. Christmas. Anyways, um, bye. I've been watching a lot of Limp Bizkit recently, and I'm very happy about it. Oh dear, So today we're gonna talk about the Christmas. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie because. The standard being challenged, the status quo, if you will, being challenged, is the Christmas ideal. And the values associated with Christmas are being challenged by the ideals associated with Halloween to a lot of people. Um, and Tim Burton's insane brain. So insane he in thinks brain. insane in the brain. <laughs> and he is trying to say that even he was he's trying to show that Jack tries to make these he tries to to take christmas to the real world and because the real world rejects him for who he is he takes what is most beautiful about the real world and brings it into his own and that is christmas and even yeah and santa does a character 180 and suddenly feels like santa again and says happy halloween and then jack says merry christmas and then it snows and the movie ends with it snowing in Halloween Town. So Halloween Town was influenced by Christmas. Everyone in the real world got Christmas. Huzzah. So it's a Christmas movie. So, Lovely. Yeah. Win. Anyway, we can review, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. I, I we can sure, review? I sure diddly do know what you're saying. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> well, I've watched a lot of things over the past week since we did our last recording, but no for the sake of keeping it holiday-themed, because this is a holiday special, I'm going to talk about one I watched a couple days ago. I, right. I did watch Tarkovsky's The Sacrifice, though. If you want to know my thoughts on that, check out my letterbox. But um, I'm going to talk about The Family Man, uh, starring Nicolas Cage and directed by Brett Ratner. Um, now, for a lot of film buffs, the name Brett Ratner is... Uh, enough to send you running screaming but he's actually this is a pretty good movie from him uh he's kind of known as a director for hire but in this movie his direction is very warm it's it's very uh kind of heartfelt um and it really works with the story nicholas cage essentially plays plays this wealthy investment banker um who uh had the chance to uh stay with his college sweetheart uh, but in like his senior year, he went for like a year-long internship in England and left her behind. Um, and then he came back to a life of success, and he's extremely wealthy, and he has everything he wants. 
but he doesn't have her and he doesn't have a family. Um, and one night he, he foils a robbery uh, and the next morning he wakes up and he's in bed next to this woman that he left years and years before and they have a family and his life is entirely changed. Uh, and the movie is sort of like a reverse It's a Wonderful Life where he has to sort of live through this glimpse of what his life could have been uh, and I guess evaluate sort of what he thinks, what he'd rather his life be. Would he rather uh, this life with the family he never had or would he rather his life as a billionaire where he has where he says he has everything he he could have ever wanted, but does he really? Um, and I think it's a, it, it's a really affecting movie. Um, I'm typically not a huge, like, family film person, but it does really, um, it does really warm the cockles of your heart and kind of, uh, uh, it kind of brings to light, I guess, or reminds you of kind of the, the joys of family that a lot of people forget about, the, the regular everyday joys of, like, picking up your kids from school, dropping them off at school, just interacting them with your daughter around the house every day. Things that people think about uh, maybe being in their future or maybe don't think about being in their future and they think, oh, but, but what if it wasn't my future? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a movie that its effect on you will very much vary depending upon your thoughts on family or the lack thereof. But I found it to be really effective, and I loved Nicolas Cage in it. He's one of my favorite actors, and he think he's I, he, he's I think he's really really good in this. Um, he's relatively restrained. He has a couple a couple moments where he goes appropriately sort of he has an appropriate sort of freak out at the fact that his life has changed so drastically, and and that's fun. But for the most part, this is sort of a big movie star era Nicolas Cage film where he really works in it. Uh, and Taya Leone is also great in as well. So The Family Man, three out of five. I recommend it. Added to my watch list with... Uh, I saw that, yes. Some marginal discomfort now that I'm looking at Brett Ratner and the first two things I, I noticed are that he directed The Last Stand and Movie 43, or a segment of Movie 43. It's, so, yeah, I don't like Brett Ratner and this is a good movie from him. It's probably his best movie that I've seen. Alrighty, well, I'll give it a try. I'll give it my, my fair and honest try. I too have been watching, I think, a movie a day since I've ish since I've been on break from from school. Um, some things I've watched recently. Uh, we talked about Spider Man. Hawkeye was actually pretty solid. I thought um, the the uh, of the Marvel disney plus series it's it's the one i've i've gelled with the most and the most comfortable saying i liked without putting a, a million asterisks next to it it's still not perfect but at least it's fun um i don't know if i talked about leon in the other episode but that was great i don't think you did no um i watched a couple of kurosawas which are great they're always great um home sweet home alone which as far as home alone sequels go is not terrible really is not t it's you know it's a home it sure is a home alone sequel and um but but most recently in theaters i saw licorice pizza paul thomas anderson's newest film uh, starring alana Haim and cooper hoffman and i found it immensely charming and uh, i think i've only seen two of of pta's films to this point uh, punch drunk love and this and i just really like the way he examines relationships and i don't mean in the romantic context necessarily or certainly not exclusively um, I just mean two people of any sort and, and the way he sort of explores how how we change around each other and how we can force each other to grow or hold each other back and how we can sort of 
grow apart and grow back together. I just think he's got a very tremendously non-binary approach to human relationships and morality in those contexts and just is very good at capturing life in motion and how people grow and how people stagnate and his resolutions to those things are, are immensely effective, I think. So I, I think our leads here are, are great. Um, I hope they do a lot more acting. Um, we get um, small parts from Bradley Cooper and Benny Softy that are tremendous. And I, I give it a five out of five because it, it totally grabbed me and, and held me. And it has an absolutely sick uh, let me roll it needle drop by Paul McCartney and Wings. And it's just, Ooh, oh okay. my gosh, it just clicks so hard. That's um, like my favorite song off that album. Yeah, it's tremendous, um, among some other good songs. So, you know, if you think, if you have even the slightest inclination, I would recommend you give this a try and approach it with an open mind and, you know, think about it broadly, and I think you'll get something out of it. I love when it clicks hard. I'm glad. Don't like that. <laughs> Don't like that at all. Um, what have I been watching? Someone Not get me a, a Jonah lot. Hill GIF. Yeah. Oof. GIF is peanut butter, Zach. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if we can make this into like a, like a pseudo bit where Mitchell doesn't know what to review for week in review. So I'm just going to go through my YouTube history. Um, Epic Rap Battles of History released the three Johns. You already did Epic Rap Battles of History before on this. Wait, did no you really? I feel like you have. I definitely have. It. Wait, what were the three Johns? It was John Wick, John Rambo, and John McClane. It was actually oh, really good. Oh, that's actually um, a solid concept. I'll have to give it yeah. a try. Yeah, and then I started watching John Wick clips because I haven't watched any of the John Wick movies, which is pretty insane. I'm actually oh, like, like the him. only person on it. You I, like I, I know. You'll like at least the first one. Yeah. Um, I watched The Weller Man by Alina Gingertail probably like 12 times. <laughs> I love that song so much. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, I watched Caesar Milan. Uh, I don't know if you all know who that guy this is so um, chaotic. He helps aggressive dogs. Um, oh, he's the I dog whisperer, Andrew... isn't he? Yeah, he's a dog whisperer. Yeah, he had that yeah. show on, like, TLC for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. He just goes up to, like, pit bulls that are getting really mad, and then he, like, hugs them, and he's like, see, pit bulls are cool. Um, Andrew Garfield, I watched, like, a million videos on that guy for some yeah. reason. Huh, um, I wonder why. I watched Arkham City, uh, the voice cast, because I wanted to hear Mark Hamill be Joker again. Yes. Um, somebody CGI'd Mario, so he was saying, like, what if I am the bad guy or something in Chris Pratt's voice? <laughs> uh, I'm almost done. Um, You're almost. I watched Quentin Tarantino slap a cameraman. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that, um, uh, well, I don't think he's a, is it the video in the snow where he's coming out of, like, the Super 8 or yeah. something like that? Yeah. That is what do you, put that down. Put that down. Yeah. Why didn't you just talk to me? Put it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The Dean Martin's Christmas Show, 1968. Oh, that's fun. Uh, Cookie Pocket, this podcast is about film episode 58, oh, Scrooge, oh, 1951. Oh, no. oh, I haven't seen that one. Um, somebody talking in a Baltimore accent. Uh, Boy, howdy. Um, Deep in downtown Balmer. And I think this is from SNL. Uh, it's Kim Kardashian saying, ooh, this is so cringe guilty, and then she hits a gavel. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh, and then yeah. and then Ned leads as Doc Ock. All right, I'm done. Okay, that's that's. You, you... I recognized yesterday that Ned's girlfriend in 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 Far From Home is Betty Brant. Yeah. I yeah. that totally went over my head. 
thank you for reminding me, Zach. I meant to say the greatest weakness of No Way Home. Not enough Betty Brant. There's like well, there's like okay. ten seconds. She's she's Anjuri Rice is definitely better in the nice guys than she is in the yes. Spider-Man movies, and we all know who the best Betty Brant was. Um, got me there. Got me there. Yeah. I thought you were going to say was that Ned didn't become the Hobgoblin, which is like no, a big internet theory thing yeah. where people were like, Ned's going to be the Hobgoblin. That would have been really forced. <laughs> there just wasn't any space for anything like that. I can't imagine this version of Ned as any kind of a villain. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also watched Chris Rock from Bring the Pain in 1996. Oh. We are so far off the rails. We're in the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico right now. Oh, and then Monster House. I watched Monster House clips. Made too. by the producers of the Polar Express, so let's chug a chew back to the rails. <laughs> All right, Zach. Oh, that was my weekend review. The most recent thing in my watch history is accidentally clicking on Untitled <laughs> Number One by City Miss Productions and then quickly pausing it because I didn't know that actually play it. <laughs> Thank you, Christian. <laughs> I'll get to it. Your view means a lot to us here at City Miss Productions. I'm sure it'll be great when I actually watch it someday. Well, the final shot is okay. Okay, well. We got a rundown right now. Yes, for those, for those not aware. Survey says. Survey says. It's time to move this thing on. He said it again. All right. Double canceled today. Yeah, okay, this is called The Rundown. I'm sure you all know what this is by now. We're going to quiz Better. Zach, and he's going to give us a number. Oh, this might be the last one we do with Zach for 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 oh, quite a while. We've had some oh, internal yeah. discussions about um, uh, reforming this segment. So Yes, uh, I'm going on my own solo career. Yes, we'll Expect see. Zach Garrigus, Plastic Ono Band this June. Run. I was going to say Zach Garrigus and Wings, run. but Zach Garrigus and Plastic Ono Band is a lot more conceivable. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, take take what you will from that. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good oh, or a bad thing. Oh. I'm oh. going to scream into a mic for 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, Mitchell, are you ready to, to quiz quiz our guy one last time? As I'll ever be, man. <laughs> that was, oh, good. I do not <laughs> condone that at all. Three, <laughs> two, one, go. Patrick Stewart narration. Uh, three out of five. Bone Daddy. Uh, four out of five. This is Halloween. Four out of five. An elected official who can't make decisions by himself. Three out of five. Zero the dog. Uh, three out of five. Zach Garrigus as Jack Skellington. Oh, five out of five, Bone Daddy. <laughs> oh, no. Bunny. Uh, three out of five. Lock. Uh, three out of five. Shock. Two out of five. Barrel. Two out of five. Taking over a culture you don't understand and can't relate to. Uh, three out of five. Speak singing. Uh, four out of five. Rat hat. Uh, three out of five. Mobilizing the military against Santa. <laughs> three out of five. The National Guard having something cool to do. Uh, three out of five. Santa abuse. Uh, three out of five. Christian America Santa Claus. Uh, four out of five. Rip sounding the alarm. <laughs> three out of five. Asking what this is. Three out of five. Halloween town politics. Uh, two out of five. A guy in Kentucky thinking one is unlucky. Uh, three out of five. Three seconds. Zach Style. Uh, four out of five. Right under the wire. Amazing. A second wow. to go. And we got I, through them all. I was and immensely complimented screen. twice in that rundown. That doesn't happen often. Enjoy well, it. This is a really disturbing movie, Zach. So. Yeah. 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 We're feeling we're feeling sentimental today, apparently. Yeah. So um, this Christmas here I am. spirit. Ugh. 
here I am again, ending an era. Yeah, how I don't that? know why I've been <laughs> pinned with this responsibility again during my Christmas slash holiday break. Ridiculous. Yeah. Bah Ridiculous. Humbug. Bah humbug these nuts, Zachary. Oh, no. Um, it has been the specialist of holiday specials out of all the specials. Sure has been special. You couldn't, it's you couldn't put special. this one on Disney+. Plus. No. Nope. Wouldn't work. No, this one would be censored on Disney+. Plus. 100%. They would put a little warning in the beginning and everything. They're making my hair longer. They're putting up a sensitivity warning. <laughs> it's, it's, it's total it's seasonal depression. But, I mean, at least reviewable in 4K. So, I mean, that's... That's yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. They're putting I love Mitchell to listen... in a pizza box instead of a dryer. <laughs> uh, pizza time. <laughs> Aunt May dies. So uh, oh no, yeah. Mitchell. <laughs> no. So <laughs> it has been great, boyos. Here's to a new year of pockets in cookies. Huzzah! With Happy great power comes guys. great responsibility. We will get back to you as soon as as we quickly possibly can before Zach can put it up another lighting test on YouTube. <laughs> get back. No. No. Get back. The police are here nope. and unplugging your amplifiers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just going to end this now. We've been Bye dancing guys. on the roofs again. Happy holidays. We will cookie your pockets soon enough. All right. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Thank you.